0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of in check with fintech this week we have the pleasure to be joined by andres biceka deputy ceo and partner at Revolut bank andrews is a seasoned fintech expert and enthusiast he joined Revolut almost from the very beginning and jumped through multiple positions in the company leading business development growth and then people department globally on top of his partnership at the company as a deputy ceo and board member of Revolut bank andrews is currently also responsible for operations expansions across europe where the company has more than 29 million customers alone Enjoy listening.
1: Welcome, everyone, at the In Check with FinTech podcast episode. It's my pleasure today to record from the Green Futures Conference in Croatia, where I have Andrius Bujeka on the podcast as a guest. Andrius is the hi, hi, Andrius. hi welcome. God, Andrius is the deputy CEO and the management of the board member at Revolut Bank Europe and he's been with the company for about six years. It's my absolute pleasure to have almost you. Almost seven now, it's almost seven, about time? Almost seven, <laughs> almost seven now, yes, time flies. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's my pleasure actually to to have you as a guest because I'm a user and really loyal customer to Revolut since about 2018 when you guys expanded wow. to your yeah, nice. it's uh yeah it's the only Neobank bank app that I use and I really really enjoy it so I'm uh, actually super excited to have you today so welcome. Yeah, thank you, thanks, thanks, Bogdan. Um, so yeah, you've been with the company now for almost seven years, as you said. Yeah. What was your journey before you started in sales? You went to to tech, and then you had- yeah, yeah, but-
2: yeah, it was it was very how to say. Dynamic. Let's put it this this word. Let's use this word. And I always, yeah. uh, I always was promoting. You know, I'm 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 the supporter of somebody changing the roles. Uh, let's say quickly in, in 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 their career, right, in the professional career, and not necessarily stick with one uh, one kind of one company, if you like, and you know. Supposedly have all the experience, you know, to do the the job, uh, the next job, right? I always, always support that somebody, let's say changing the jobs, even as frequently as three to six months, uh, gaining uh, experience or at least knowing why they left the previous company, why they left that company right after three months. And for me... Yes, I changed probably. I I, I don't have my at my LinkedIn in, in front of me, but I think the five or six uh, startups uh, uh, before Revolut, right? Uh, before I entered actually startup area, I was like working for four years. That was my longest one before Revolut, and now uh, mm-hmm. in the corporate world. Uh, so in the corporate world, everything is kind of straightforward. But I was still um, you know happy that I'm changing positions within that company, you know, at the corporate world. The same happens actually at Revolut as well, you know, it's my like ninth or 10th position at the company. So anyway, Mm -hmm. so in the startup world, I am always, always supporting uh, people uh, because in the startup world, especially if you are joining early stage startup or, you know, uh, which is just about to grow, hopefully, um, it's super easy, uh, relatively easy to understand the ambition of of the startup, right? Because you are meeting founders especially if it's a smaller you know startup uh, early stage startup, let's say there's already like 10, 20 30 uh, employees like in my case with Bevolute. uh when I joined uh, you definitely can sense and feel the ambition of the company uh, of that startup and whether that resonates with your own ambition. And if that gap is not too wide in one way or another, I mean you know if your ambition is quite high, but then the startup's ambition is, you know, relatively low. You have to pick of the gap to fill, in, in in my opinion, and that happened a few times in, in my case. Uh, and that naturally brings you to the unsatisf- to some sort of unsatisfaction or disbelief or not complete motivation. And it could right. be that way. If the uh, company's ambition, if the startup's ambitions are super, super big, and you kind of came for a more relaxed role, you know, like you know, you used, let's say for the to the uh, corporate world, and you you came for the more relaxed role where everything is kind of set up, etc. Uh, you you also won't be too happy in in this uh, environment or in this situation as well, and, and you know sooner or later you actually will need to will need to leave. So my yeah uh, uh, rule of thumb is three to six months, and that's what I spend in all the other you know <laughs> startups, uh, uh before evolution.
1: Well, it's been successful at Revolut then because yeah, you've been yeah. for yeah,
2: you've been That's for a while. while. No, but, no, this is this is exactly the point. Within three months, actually within three weeks, if not three days, I was able to sense the ambition of the company, which was limitless, which has the sky's the limit, right? And since I since my own ambitions at that time were also high, I knew what I'm going to. It's my like as I told you, fifth or sixth startup. I knew that it's going to mm-hmm. be a lot of yeah, a lot of chaos, a lot of like you you do everything and you do it fast and you do a lot of things. I, I I was able to sense the ambition really fast and it just it was just you know perfect fit for for me and you know hopefully for the company.
1: <laughs> indeed, indeed. I mean, it seems like it. So, how did you uh,
2: meet the the people at Revolut? Yeah, so this is another, In, in you know, I almost like, I, I almost feel like I should write maybe a book <laughs> and then everyone can. Can't wait. <laughs> so, yeah, look, it's um, it's almost, so I, I met the founder, uh, I met Nick uh, particularly at the uh, FinTech conference. You know, there's like, random. you know, like not random, but um, some FinTech conferences and it was like uh, 2015. Early 2015, Revellit wasn't even launched then, mm-hmm. you know, it was in obviously in the very late stage of launching, which mm-hmm. was uh, done uh, July uh, 2015. I met uh, uh, him in April. And um, so one thing is obviously you have to show show up, right? So this networking and kind of that sort of thing is important because as you see, you know, random bump into the person in the conference. I was with another fintech at that time runs for go um and i was looking at that uh, prototype of the app that you know mm-hmm. uh, he, he had that, that back then and i was uh, essentially really like uh, surprised uh, and uh, impressed by the ideas of connecting uh, e-wallet with a uh, physical card about well, the fast transactions fast, fast transfers like immediate transfers attacks uh, uh, best effects rate Etc so I thought that's really really smart way to enter into the kind of market right because it wasn't that crowded as it is now right it was like there uh, yep. you know, some other players you know um and, but uh, so I thought that that that's really smart and then when Revolut was launched, I, I, I bumped into Nick as well, uh, um, and I said, how is this revolt revolution thing going? <laughs> he said, not <laughs> that. You know, I don't remember how many, dozens of thousands of users, uh, just after mm-hmm. a few months, um, uh, revolution ad, but it was already impressive uh, uh, you know, a trend, impressive numbers, impressive growth, and this, uh, this is everything you need. Yeah, this is like the market, uh, product market fit, it's super important, especially early stage. And uh, I downloaded it myself. I started using it uh, every day, you know, whether it's, you know, meeting with family, meeting with friends, uh, having lunch with friends, stag new parties, Friday evenings, you know, uh, weddings, <laughs> whatever, to <laughs> start promoting it everywhere you can, uh, right? And it was like late 2015, you know? And it just spread like virus, essentially. you really, really spread, especially in Lithuania, where I'm from. And um, and Lithuania for a long, long time was number two, number three market for revenue in the early days, right? Because a yes. lot of people just signed up, and a lot of people were using um, revenue for many kind of cases. You know, take for free, of charge ATM withdrawals, right? Or FX, although it's euro, but still FX uh, was was uh, was interesting when traveling, and I uh, mean mm-hmm. when traveling. So, and look, long story short it was almost impossible for me not to try to work at Revolut because I love the product so much. And this is the best for the, maybe for uh, for the uh, listeners of this podcast, it's super important. It's almost impossible not to hire a person who has been using your product for, and who knows probably about your product more than you do. I mean, maybe not as a founder, (laughs) you know, in your life, but at least, you know, in, in, in the kind of middle management, It's it's impossible not to hire someone. And this is one of the key elements whenever you you kind of apply for Revolut, whenever you apply for another company to work for. Have you used the product inside out, especially if it's B2C product, right? Not like B2B. Uh, Have you used it inside out? It's just impossible. Let's say you want to, 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 uh, uh, you know, to work at Tesla. You, and if you drive Tesla, every uh, ID, right? Drive Tesla every day. Don't drive like, you know, ID4 Volkswagen ID4, and you want to <laughs> go for Tesla? Yeah, these things matter. These things matter. Of course, it's like oh, it's like you know, non-discrimination should be there blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, if somebody applies for you and he or she uses the product inside out and he or she knows how the company makes money or how to even improve, although it could be just theoretical, uh, you know, thinking how to improve the profit margins and other metrics for the company, it's impossible not to hire that person. Impossible, and that was probably the case. I hope. <laughs> you know, when I reapproached uh, Nick and said, "Okay, look, uh, let's let's uh, conquer the world together," and that's it.
1: Amazing, amazing. Yeah, it's a great story, and I think the story of Revolut also expanding to Romania, where I'm from and where I was also mm-hmm. uh, back then in 2018.
2: and yes. I, 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 I remember it. Using... I remember it really, really vividly, Bogdan. Really, vividly. We have. Yeah, we hired the the the, the 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 country manager, right? So at that time, I was already, uh, I think, head of uh, growth for Europe or head of country managers. I don't remember. Uh, and uh, we were hiring at least one person in, in, in key markets. And we knew that Romania is definitely going to be a key market for us. Although in 2018, it only had like 25 maybe thirty thousand users which wasn't a lot wasn't a lot mm-hmm. yeah i think lithuania had like 100 at least hundred thousand, if not uh, 000, uh by that time right uh, what, what what was the first market by the way you said lithuania was second or third what was the first the first always was uk right where, where ah, okay mm-hmm. where our you know the, the headquarters are the second uh, because of the of the size and maybe some are traveling between uh you know all these investment bankers and uh, you know between london and Paris. It, mm-hmm. it was always uh, France. France. And and, yeah. and now, as you probably know, uh, Romania is the second uh, largest globally market. Uh, yeah. the first, The first largest in the European uh, Union, if you like, right? And yeah. it's, it's just amazing. It's one of the best, uh, you know, success stories uh, uh, revolution. So I remember vividly hiring the country manager, uh, Irina, uh, from Uber mm-hmm. at that time. And... Um, and yeah and, and giving her like you know look we don't have big budgets so you know you have to like really improvise and, and and do the best you can uh, to to grow that market and uh, she did an amazing job and now we have uh, Gabriela you know who's uh, um, the the branch manager for the band in in in, in mm-hmm. the main we have a, a bigger team now as well um and and uh, yeah it's growing like growing like crazy i, I was in the Bucharest the last um, you know last month it, 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 yeah, it was really, really uh, cool to, to celebrate five years. And as you said, uh, Bogdan, in the beginning, yeah. I'm really, really biased, you know, really, really biased. Yes, no, it's really awesome. And what you said about,
1: you know, using the product and spreading it around, this is how it worked, right? So yeah. after the PSD2 to 2015, I think Revolut also aligned itself and its product with the PSD2 regulation. It just started slowly coming on the market. And at first it was something like a disbelief, right? Oh, okay. Is it so easy? Is it is, is this app safe? Where are they from? What are yeah. they doing with my money? So it was very you know, careful using of the app. But then once you came into it, and also for me traveling between Amsterdam, my university and Romania back home, it was so easy to use, so easy to convert. Yeah, such a such a beautiful ux and <clears throat> ease yeah. of use as well so that made it impossible not to continue using it right and I think that's a that's a great uh, value and how Revolut spreads around Romania because I don't remember it being like billboards or ads or anything like that right so um yeah, 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 that. Of, yeah exactly yeah in a, in a word of mouth and I think yeah, that's the, that's the value of a product like this. But talking about Lithuania, or so talking about Romania, um, how is the landscape in Lithuania? And
2: why cho- why choosing Lithuania, first of all, for, for a startup? For the licenses, you mean, right? Uh, for, for the banking license and the other licenses mm-hmm. we have in Lithuania, right? Because technically, uh, Bogdan, technically speaking, we were available across all uh, Europe. Uh, from the day we launched uh, which is uh yes. July, July 2015 right so mm-hmm. uh, anywhere people could download the uh, uh you know Revolut app in Europe and and kind of um as uh, uh you know get the card and, and use it but it was under so called electronic money institution license or EMI uh popularly mm-hmm. mm-hmm. known to Yes um mm-hmm. and, and 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 that's it but from uh so the one thing is that we chose Lithuania because one of the top markets right at that time in the early stage, uh, first, to, to you know, one, two, three years was, was, was Lithuania, right? And at that time, it coincided uh, nicely with Lithuania as a country focus on fintech or starting to focus on fintech, you know. The idea to start to focus on fintechs and try to attract fintechs into the country so you know the first time actually the the revolut and lithuanian uh institutions you know the central bank and the finance ministry and, and uh, fdi uh agency uh met it was like 2016 you know middle of 2016 it was quite early at that time don't forget that revolut was quite uh, you know young and yes. relatively small uh, small uh, company uh, you know in, in terms of users and so on and um we were really like um well, it was not necessarily like hunting for the banking license you know like oh let's you know really like you know let's see where it's the, the best market etc but what we felt from lithuanian institutions as i just mentioned it was like total you know uh, you know fast reaction uh pragmatic and rational decision making um Mm -hmm. kind of getting into relationship type of you know um you know um uh uh, relationship you know like building exercise you know and then uh, although there is no shortcut in in kind of getting the licenses right we still have to satisfy all the european central bank type of you know requirements of getting the licenses etc so we went through this process in 2017 2018 we got the license, mm-hmm. banking license, in two thousand end of two thousand eighteen, and then it took us around one month, one year, which normally takes for, for any kind of new bank, if you like, to operationalize the the, the 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 banking license. And in early yep. uh, twenty twenty or end of twenty nineteen, we already started, you know, playing with the, you know, putting the users on the on the on the banking license, and here we are um uh with uh you know the banking license covering all uh lithuanian banking license or ecb banking license european banking license in, from lithuania covering the whole of europe uh i mean bda technically europe minus uk <laughs> <laughs> because they're not part of part of the club anymore and um and yeah and romania is one of those uh, banking countries uh, and what is also important and i don't want to kind of bury the you the, the listeners with this old you know like technical <laughs> legal and regulatory frameworks but what is more important for romania let's say as one of our top markets if not the top market in in, in EEA region um, is uh, that we are opening a branch not kind of a physical branch but so-called like banking branch which means that we will be able to also introduce uh, Romanian iPads. If we talk about, specifically about Romania, right? Uh, Romanian mm-hmm. iPads, which will allow people to get their salaries into their uh, Revolut accounts much easier, and do a lot of other transactions, and 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 be protected from the, the consumer protection uh, point of view, and from the central bank uh, uh, protection point of view. So this is a key element for us to launch the Romanian uh, branch banking branch. Yes, mm-hmm. it's a it's a bank. Services in Romania now, but it's going to be even deeper banking services in Romania, allowing us to to, to do a lot of like more products and, and more protections for the Romanian customers. And we plan to do that in in one year from now. That that should be done already.
1: That's also news. but I heard that this
2: is generally a strategy for Revolut in Europe, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah but, but Romania is definitely, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, it's. it's we're not going to cover all Europe with that branching strategy at, at the moment, right? We have to select <laughs> the, the top you know, ten uh, or so markets, and obviously Romania is one of.
1: Them. Awesome. Yeah, I think there's about two million customers in Romania now.
2: Oh, it's, it's almost
1: like three million. million.
2: It's almost three million. Well, I'm I'm sure by the time people listen to this, uh, it's going to be 3, 3, 3, yeah. 3 million. We should probably say that it's. Uh, it's it's gonna be around in the middle of the 2023, right? Just for the reference. <laughs> yes.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's uh it's around July. It's, yeah. it's, it's three million. It's three million in Romania. It's three million. Okay. So that's three million in Romania for sure. I know that 78 percent, maybe by then even 80 percent of those customers use it for everything, all things, all things money, right? Mm-hmm. And I think this is an important point. And we'll get to that in a second, but. I know that you as Head of People before at Revolut, you've had quite a big part of first in the expansion. I mean, before Head of People, you have been the Head of Business Development, right? So tapping into new markets, how important are cultural differences and how did you do the research, right? So you've also said just right now, you've identified Romania as an important market with only a couple of thousand users how do you do that and what
2: do you take what do you have to take into consideration oh, look, look look that's a very good question and, and it's you know i'm i'm directing my answer to the early stage let's say startup uh, founders or founders or people that work at the early stage you know startups you don't need to reinvent the wheel when uh, selecting the markets, especially if your product is scalable, right? Obviously, if your product is is not necessarily scalable, and you need to kind of to to have something to enter the market, you know what I mean, like a, maybe a regulatory approval, maybe something else, you know, like a physical presence, right, uh, etc. That's a different story. But if you are building an app which um, which uh, you know can be used essentially anywhere in Europe or globally. In our case, it could could not be used globally because our licenses only allowed us to do business within EU, let's say, right? European Union. DEA, European Economic Area. Um, So, uh, but still, it's it's, it's quite a big market, right? There's quite a big number of users out there. Um, So, in that sense, especially if it's early stage, now we do a lot more analysis and a lot more kind of preparation and so on. But in that stage, you... Your, your 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 analysis essentially is is your product for everyone <laughs> plus minus yes you know like obviously at that time we didn't have a junior accounts so you know for for uh, below 18 years old and maybe we didn't have some other functionality but pretty much anyone 18 years and older could be a user and there is a use case for, for that person right so essentially you then select the markets um, by um, uh, looking at the number of people that live in those markets, right? The population, the number of population is <laughs> only one metric that you need, right? It's like, it's it's not necessarily big uh, data science uh, exercise at that time. And the more the um, the market, uh, it, and then nice two camps for the market, obviously are that the market is non-euro market. So non-euro market is obviously, and we see that, um you know, trend uh, for, for, let's say, for Hungary, for Czech Republic, for other non- euro markets for Poland, obviously now this is a huge market and um, potentially can overtake Romania. I don't want to say when, but, but it's 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 on the right tra- trajectory. Uh, um, so um, so that is the early stage. And then, as I said, you know, when you don't have a big uh, budget in the beginning, then the main thing is essentially word of mouth. You ideally want to hire people that are so resourceful, people on the ground, obviously, because you know you you cannot n- make partnerships or some sort of promotions or even your own word of mouth if you're not on the market and you want to 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 to, to you know to enter Romania. You know, we 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 could maybe try to enter Romania from hiring a person in Poland, but it would have been like. Three times uh, more difficult. if not ten times but more difficult, right? To to start promoting things in, in Romania. So you hire a resource group or person, and you you uh, like country manager uh, for that market who uh, knows uh, a lot of uh, you know uh, people. Um, not necessarily as the influencer himself or herself, right? Because maybe they will. That don't want to have a full-time job <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah but, but even even specifically if you look for some uh, experiences and running other uh high growth uh, you know uh you know startups or uh, tech companies like you know ubers and uh, you know bolts and and similar you get the point right it's already, yeah. it, it, it would take a lot of boxes already for you to enter to enter that market. And then it's just a matter of execution as another thing, another golden rule, if you like, or rule of thumb, mm-hmm. it's really not about which market to enter or what products to launch or it's it's really, really not about ideas anymore. And especially with generative AI, able to generate tens, the hundreds, if not thousands of ideas on any on any topic, you know? Try to ask, ChatGPT. chat GPT, you know, tell me 10 best niche ideas for FinTech, you know, in Romania, you know? and and it yes. will tell you 10. If you want 100, it will tell 100. So it's not about ideas that, it was, it was never about ideas, it was never about ideas. It's all about execution, right? It's, I know it's boring, I know a lot of listeners will say, oh my God, you know, I, I, I heard that, you know, 100 times. But that, it would not be, uh, uh, you know, as as true as, as it really gets. It's all about execution. And um, and you, you could easily have put, maybe if we have put another person, not let's say Irina back then, right? The first employee in Romania on the ground uh, early 2018. Mm-hmm. Maybe it would have turned um, uh, much, much worse. And Romania would have been like, you know, uh, you know, top five <laughs> markets, right? Uh, so it's it's super important. Execution is everything, both on the product and then it comes to people, you know, people pushing the product or whatever whatever we do, right? Take whatever role in the company. We really, really strive for execution, for solving problems, and this is how we recruit people, how we, you know, let people go if they're not executing. And this this is our DNA session, essentially.
1: Right so when you mean when you mean execution what exactly you mean so is it also reliability of product or executing on a plan
2: um, yeah, it steps and hey, you it, just it. Mm-hmm. it just depends it just depends but, 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 but mm-hmm. what you know execution has to be everywhere right it doesn't matter what yeah. you, where you are in you know whether you're in the customer support or in, in growth or in marketing or software development or whatever whatever you do even if mm-hmm. you are like a, you know high high flying executive <laughs> you know at, at, <laughs> <laughs> the most a um, hands-on person at revenue is still Nick himself, Isn't it? still hands-on, still executing things, still kind of uh, inputting in lots of areas, you know, although the company is 7,000 people, look, it's still like that. You know, I'm pretty sure the same is probably still even with Elon Musk at some at some level, right? He's also kind of right. telling about, about being like quite hands-on. So this hands-on approach and being um, able to execute no matter which level of, the, the, you know, management you are, and yes. this, this is crucial. And coming back to my story about uh, being able to execute in, in Romania with, with the limited or no uh, marketing budget, so it's really like, yes. you know, starting to be creative with yourself. You know, okay, sh- can I maybe put a, a partnership with, The same company, as I mentioned, Bolt, for example, where Bolt users would get, and we would start maybe with simple email marketing back then, right? Where Bolt users would get uh, free, uh, you know, cart delivery or three months uh, premium for free, and our users would get an email with with, uh, a free uh, Bolt ride, you know, or some discount on Bolt, you know, doing something like that being on the papers that's another kind of free don't forget you know be on the paper if you're not uh, you know sponsoring an article right it's normally free right so being on the paper telling the audience telling the country essentially that there are better alternatives there are better how to say choices for people especially vulnerable people the ones that you know are maybe overpaying for their financial you know services there are other options out there you know, and so on and so forth. You know, so this execution is is being hands on and being able to drive whatever you need to drive. And as I told you, is whether it's growth, whether it's customer support, whether it's anything. For for like a coffee shop, is the barista really driving that? You know, I, I'm amazed. Look, hold on. I need to tell this. Yeah. I'm amazed how bad. And maybe in America they are already like the, uh, light years ahead when it comes to customer service, etc. But I'm still amazed how often it still gets, either at the coffee shop, either at the restaurant, where it's like people, waiters, baristas, are not pushing themselves, not executing, not even, mm-hmm. not at the top level, at, at at least like average level. And imagine when you're executing, putting yourself, at you know, doing the best you can in your particular role. The sky is the limit. You know, some people will notice you. Some colleagues will notice you. Some customers will notice. Maybe some customer will tell the manager or supervisor or maybe the regional. Maybe they know the owner of that place. You know, they will tell that this person is amazing. She was like, oh, she was like amazing. It's the trampoline to career to perform to you know maybe becoming you know really high manager for that company, maybe another company, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm amazed how it's not even happening. And execution is not considered as as the must for anybody you know it, it has to be a must for anybody who's working at the at the uh higher the job right maybe it's if it's yeah. so, you or know, whatever you can do whatever you want right it's your money you're wasting your money but when you do something for for somebody and uh, and you want to to grow professionally and uh you know personally even you just yeah. put your best you execute it just has to be mantra everyday mantra
0: Paris Retail Week, the leading omnichannel trade event, is coming up from September 19th to 21st. The event brings together major brands, retailers, and solution suppliers in an increasingly experiential format. For the past nine years, Paris Retail Week has helped retail professionals decipher the latest trends in order to plan ahead and finding the right partners and solution providers. Grab your tickets today by visiting parisretailweek.com and don't miss the leading event for omnichannel commerce professionals.
1: So my question is more related to hyper growth. So this is a high growth or hyper growth startup for the last, yeah, almost a decade now. Um, and you've been part of it in the leadership since the yeah, since since almost the beginning. So how do you manage a high growth team and what are the challenges generally for
2: a high growth startup? Yeah, look, the high-growth startup, it it, it it almost like is coded in itself, right? So high-growth startup has high velocity, high dynamics in almost every kind of internal and external. It's not only external dynamics, right? It's not only the number of users and, and, you know, number of licenses you get and, you know, number of, you know, business users you sign up. It's also internal dynamics, right? And internal dynamics is that you always like, um, you know, um, uh, adjusting and calibrating that the, the proper model, right? Like the management model. Why right? do we do like the matrix uh, management right? with The line manager, uh, functional manager? Do we do that? Do we do that? Who's reporting to 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 where? What other, you know? Is it more centralized? Is it decentralized? Etc. So, the key element everywhere in these types of decisions is to collect the data and adjust the decision, right? Be flexible with 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 that. And we, I think. One of the core also DNAs for us is being able to adjust and be flexible with that, and that also means, to some extent, you know, I know it's not necessarily popular, but to some extent, is also the turnover itself, right? So because uh, you, it's we still make, um, you know, sometimes you know not not ideal hires, right? No matter which which level of of seniority we, we hire, there's still sometimes you know inaccuracies and in, and in, in that, right? And the sooner mm-hmm. we understand this, and those, or the sooner the person understands that it's not the right place, it's even the better. There is no point, you know, to, to kind of hang on the same person, you know, whatever, for, because it will be bad for him uh, or for her and for the company. Right. So yeah. these types of things, and it's really hard to, uh, to understand unless you are in the middle of these things like myself, that it mm-hmm. really it's not a bad thing. You know because some may think oh, but you know you know it's like you know it's like it's very fast moving blah, blah, blah. a lot of like chaos obviously now it's, it's less chaos than it used to be, right? It's more processes, more kind of you know uh, procedures and policies and everything is in place. but still, if you want to go fast externally, it's almost inevitable to some extent to be changing quite fast internally and not to sleep on right. anymore not to sleep on the same type of, you know, processes or sl- same type of systems or whatever you use, because then you wake up one day, you can wake up one day and you can find out that you are already a legacy company <laughs> and we know what happens and we know what happens with legacy companies, right? Sometimes, you know, um, yeah, so this is, this is, it's super hard to even explain, uh, to, to some extent, yes. but it's, unless you really kind of understand the sound things. But maybe I can summarize everything into one sentence, especially if the users, if the listeners of, of your uh, podcast is, is is are really, um, you know, the ones in early stage uh, uh, growth uh, startups, uh, tech companies, is don't be afraid of that ca- chaos. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the more decisions mm-hmm. you make per day, the better, because you can learn from decisions. And the crucial thing is to learn the data, to gather the data even if you launch something too early uh, w- what you will have you will have amazing thing which is the data which will show you what you have to fix to maybe you know be in the right spot or be the, the, the product market fit right um, so if you are not embarrassed uh, w- when you're launching something you are launching too late You know, I, I heard this uh, from, uh, uh, yeah, from, from uh, I think uh, Mark Zuckerberg, to, 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 you know, in the early <laughs> day. you know, like you yeah. have to be, especially in the early stage. I'm talking about the early stage, right? Now you cannot yeah. allow that because you're playing with the dozens of uh, millions of users, right? And yep. you don't mm-hmm. have that, uh, you know, privilege to do that. But in the early days when you only have like a thousand or several thousand uh, users, just launch something, get their reaction, maybe amazing. It may be like what the hell did you just launch you know we don't need that and what that means that you will save a lot of time for you your people for your developers for yourself maybe redo the the launch maybe pivot something and and so on so how does it
1: affect then from a let's say personnel or employee perspective um right having having to change constantly and then also maybe just doing things out there for for feedback, right? So that's yeah. how I understand that. I understand it's a process of iteration. Yeah. Put stuff out there, and you will see how
2: it, it works out. Yeah. Right? Look, Bogdan. Well so it's it's one thing. Is is also it's it's not for everyone, right? And and the more open and more how to say uh, honest, the people are. Uh, to themselves, especially uh, ones that um, want to to work at uh, these high growth uh, uh, companies, uh, uh, tech uh, startups uh, uh, like um, Revolut, right? Um, yeah, it's it being honest to yourself. Don't try to kind of poke yourself into something, especially if you're coming from the. Uh, corporate world, uh, kind of legacy companies, right, which work for hundreds yeah. of years, uh, you know, which are you know out there for hundreds of years. They have processes, they have everything, you know, and they kind of don't change. This is the anti, <laughs> anti, you know, anti-changing <laughs> type of uh, companies. Um, you have to be open-minded, and uh, you know, uh, I don't say that there, that there is zero success rates. There are some success rates with these uh, people as well. But the only success rates, let's say, that um, there are uh, there are in the cases where people joining uh, from these environments into high growth environment, high high pace environment are the ones which have very uh, which which approach with a very open mind. You know uh, what that means is really simple. Uh, You have to manage your expectations properly. And that means that your expectations should be adjusted in the following way. You should be able, you should be ready to see things which are world-class in one minute, right? And maybe just after that, Thing, seeing amazing things, maybe an amazing process, maybe another, you know, um, procedure or, or something, you know, like, oh, my God, I haven't seen anything like that in my entire career. Right. And I have like 10 years in this field, you know, but then also not to devastate you and not to be super unmotivated if you see something which is like total crap or like it could be also improved, you know, uh, the next minute. You know what I mean? So so this is the reason we hired you in many cases to fix and improve that side so we can all get into the totally amazing expectations, uh, you know, no matter what you touch internally, no matter what you do internally. You get the point? So it's this chance your success at those high growth companies like Rebel is is really to have your open mindedness ready for anything and not be devastated by seeing something bad or not be too excited to seeing something super cool, right? It has to be super wide. The expectation layer, uh, you know, spectrum has to be quite wide, you know, and that increases your chances by, I don't know, I don't want to stagnate, but by by 50%, even if not 100% of survival that's, you know, succeeding in those those, uh, environments. um, Right. And so… Now, we're at the Green
1: Futures Conference. Um, we, we will be hearing and speaking a lot about green tech and sustainability and so on. How do you see sustainability in the FinTech yeah. Center? And how do you see
2: Revolut approaching this topic? Yeah, so I'm not gonna get into the nitty-gritty and all the details, you know, and, and I know we are finding a bit longer than expected, but, um, <laughs> but uh, look, the key element there when it comes to sustainability, uh, from the neo bank perspective, or from the very kind of digital bank perspective, as as we are uh, at Revolut, is the following: it's exactly the thing which is which which tells that you are doing things digitally, right? That means you don't need to go on a physical on your f- foot, right? You know, don't need to drive to the branch to the physical branch, right? to do some sort of operation or some sort of, you know, checking your documents or whatever, you can move that to to that higher level, right? Then what it means for the for the businesses for example, it's, it's kind of transition to the e-commerce where again you're saving a lot of space, you know, either in central parts of the cities or outskirts or whatever and not necessarily uh, asking people to drive to your location to buy some things, right? And then all this e-commerce type of uh, the products that we are you know uh, introducing you know pay with Revolut and, and 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 many others you know for digital type for businesses right doing business uh, doing business digitally are another layer. then of course getting rid of the cards you know and kind of allowing people uh, businesses to accept you know contactless uh, uh, payments uh, you know uh, and, 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 and so on. So for me it's all this movement to cashless, society i know it's not mm. we're not done yet you know uh neither in romania nor other markets you know even if it's very developed markets very let, let's let's take a look let, let's say germany right it's, it's still quite cash cash heavy very much, yeah. oh, in very cash much. so there's still a lot of things to do uh, a lot of trust to be gained by 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 customers by users or non-cash uh non-cash uh, elements but for me to really su- summarize all of that is to push all these elements that i just told you on the product both on retail product and business product and in general the philosophy of the company to get into that cashless society which is in itself produces a lot of like it's it's it's, it's Let's not say that it's unsustainable, but to some extent, it's unsustainable, right? We 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 could we couldn't print unlimited. We we could print, but don't. N- no one wants to print unlimited, you know, coins and, and 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 you know, notes, you know, in and, and the markets. Right. But in general, all these solutions and 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 enabling businesses to to thrive in this digital and customers to thrive in this digital market. This is our philosophy, and that in itself will bring us to whatever the sustainability goals we set up or the, the countries set up or, or the group of the world set, set, sets up. Andrews, we're approaching the end uh,
1: and I feel like we could definitely spend another hour talking about all the ins and outs and going into the nitty gritty here and there. But unfortunately, our time is done for now. So before we go, I just want to ask you, what is next for Evolute? What is next for you? do you have any teasers for us and for our listeners
2: yeah look it's it's, it's so many things that we will it, it will come right and i don't want to spoil uh, i learned uh, a lot but a lot of focus is really on 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 trading because we also want to give those trading tools and uh, the tools to to increase to make the most out of people's money you know of the customers money possible um so then uh, uh, some, uh, you know, a, a enrichment of uh, experiences uh, when they travel, so we want to plug in those as well, you know, so we can tap into local guides and local kind of, uh, you know, entertainment elements, not only booking the, your, your your holiday or, or travel uh, as well. Um, you know, credit is, is going to be pushed uh, for a, a lot, you know, whether it's credit cards or whether it's uh, personal loans. Uh, yeah, mortgages will come at some point. Insurance, whether it's you know car insurance, some sort of medical insurance will also come sooner or later. So it's almost like anything you can think of <laughs> in terms of money or neighboring neighboring you know um, uh, features or, or yeah or services, we will have it sooner or later. <laughs> well, looking forward
1: <laughs> Thanks thanks. God wait God, God. Andrews, thank you so much uh, yeah. We will continue with the green Treasures conference. Um, please yeah. make sure to check it out on our socials and news. Thank you again so much and uh, I hope we'll do this again in the future. Bye bye bye.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of in check with Fintech. If you enjoyed this episode, hit the like button and leave us a comment below. We'll be having more industry leaders soon so don't forget to subscribe as well in order to keep updated with the latest episodes of our podcast.